0: All right, everybody. Welcome once again to Mental Health Comedy. It's the show where we, we learn and practice mental health skills, mental or mental health skills. We do them both. It's a gym. It's an emotional gym. It's all these things. We know what physical fitness is. We don't know what emotional fitness is. I'm very excited about this about this show. I am Ed Krasnick. I was Mister Anxiety 2019. I will not be resuming my crown in 2020 but I'll be doing something else. I'll be Mr. Shame uh, for a few months and then I'll be somebody else. No, I actually won't be. I'm learning, folks. I'm learning. And you're going to learn too. This is free mental health. How about that? All right, where do you get that? Okay, so I'm Ed, my partner. I'm very lucky to have Jennifer Kalari, who is a child and family therapist. That's right. Somebody is actually on the show who's licensed, who knows what she's doing. And she has a wonderful organization called ConnectedParenting.com. And you can go there for all kinds of things, all kinds of classes, services, support services, guidance, uh, mental health skills, all kinds of things at ConnectedParenting.com. Mental health is a practice. It's, It's the world's biggest topic, but it is not yet the world's biggest practice. When it is, you will see a very different world. Right now, the world you see is the world you see. There's never been a better time to practice mental health than now. This is the time to do it. And this is the day we're going to do it. We're going to do it right now. On today's show, an old friend, very excited to have him, who is a writer. He's a quintuple threat. He's a writer, producer, director, has a new graphic graphic novel and also has written others. But I'm going to talk to him also about a book that he wrote years ago called Pacify Me, which is a book about fatherhood. His name is Chris Mancini. Chris will be joining us in just a minute. And we always like to have on the show, we always like to do these, these emotional shout outs. We always like to welcome people in. No matter what emotional state you're in, we're welcoming you. Emotional shout outs. If you can't figure out anything good late at night on Netflix to stop your panic, welcome. If the happiness of your life depends upon Dr. Oz, welcome. If you'd like to unsubscribe from planet Earth, welcome. If you've unpacked your Free the Chicago 7 poncho, welcome. If your positivity group is suggesting you turn this from a pandemic to a can welcome. If you catch your therapist wearing pajama bottoms on your Zoom call, welcome. If life feels like another four-letter word to you, welcome. If when push comes to shove, you'd like to go back to bed, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy, We have a new sponsor. It's called WorryUp. It's an applet, which means it's an app that you wear like a bracelet. It's fully interactive, and every time you catch yourself worrying about something, you can click a button, and WorryUp donates a dollar to a charity in need. WorryUp rewards you while making you aware of the behavior that we all have but rarely benefit from. WorryUp is the app that says, if you're not going to let go of worry, let's use it to help someone. And with our premium membership, you become a Worry Up warrior with all kinds of rewards in our online store, Worry World. If you're going to worry anyway, it's time to worry up. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about fatherhood, but I also want to talk about focus, because focus is something that is connected to mental health. And we just talked about it, Jennifer, and Mm -hmm. bring in Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, we just talked about focusing and Focusing on on what you want, the feeling of your life to be, what you want your life to feel like, and what you want in your life. How do people practice this, or or at least turn on an early warning system that says it's really time to to focus on the feeling that you want to
1: have from all the things that you say you want? Hmm. Hmm. Well, this is interesting because where we spend most of our mental energy is focusing on the things we don't want and we don't like and that we're unhappy about. An enormous amount of mental energy goes into focusing on the things that we don't want. And if we really just took that energy and focused on the things that are working and the things that we do want, you will literally shift your biochemistry. You will shift the biochemistry in your body. This is neuropsychobiology. Your body starts to reflect what you're thinking about and your world becomes a reflection of what you think about. So no matter what it is, if it's, I don't know, some car you want or a job you want or you want the, you know, you want to find a partner, whatever it is, you want that thing or that person because you think you're gonna have a feeling that goes with it, right? Feeling appreciated, feeling loved, having freedom, whatever the feeling is. And so the energy needs to go into finding where you already have that stuff in your life every day. Focus on that already. And then the brain starts to construct itself around what you want. Instead of what you don't want, and this is a practice. Ed, we talk about this all the time. We, we're not. Most people aren't even aware of how much they just rant and complain, and how much of our mental energy is just, oh, now I have to do this, and of course that is never going to work the way I want to. And that's just a dialogue, a running dialogue in our minds all the time. And our mind and our body is very connected. So whenever we're having thoughts that are negative or worrisome or angry, the limbic system in the brain doesn't know we're just imagining it and, and ranting about it. It thinks it's actually happening. So you start getting adrenaline and cortisol and all kinds of other chemicals in your body that set you up for, you know, meeting everything in life that way.
0: Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. And there are teachers, if you, if you know about this world at all, you know about people you know about Abraham and you know about Neville Goddard and you know about all these things that you see on YouTube. The things that we say we want are great, but we're tuned to the wrong radio station. We're actually tuning in to what we don't want. Yeah. And that is simply because we're not aligned with the feeling and the sensations and the specificity of what we do want hmm. So we're tuned Absolutely. to the right. So you're playing the wrong radio station. You're listening. You're, you're trying to get something on iTunes, but you're on Stitcher. You right. can't hear the podcast that you want of happiness because you're on the wrong radio station.
1: That's right. That's
0: and right. and so focus is like a big thing of mental health. I mean, you think about it. If you what you're thinking is, I'm not going to have any money. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm focused on those things. Nobody nobody likes me. Other people are different than me. I'll never have what they have. Mm -hmm. They're rich. I'm poor. These things are putting you in a different zone. You're Mm -hmm. saying you want it, but you're also, you're You're talking mostly about what you don't want, what you don't want. So they're in opposition to each other. It's like a stick that has two ends.
1: The best way to think about it is we're, basically walking around in a virtual reality suit okay the entire brain and body is basically just interpreting information it's it's interpreting energy and data and I don't mean this in a new way in I, I mean it like that's what the brain does it interprets data it, it it interprets information sound sight smell touch it all comes in as outward information and our brain turns it into what we think it is right so that's that's really important and you're a projector and a receiver but even if you're not into the whole manifesting thing, if you just want to think of it in terms of of neurobiology, if you're walking around focusing on no one's going to like me, this is I'm, this is terrible, and of course that's not going to way it work the way I want to, your body is going to match that that chemically, and so when you interact with other people, eighty percent of of communication is nonverbal, so forget the manifesting. You're literally operating on this level with people without even realizing it. So However you look at this, it makes so much sense to gain control over what you think about, because literally what you think about is what you are.
0: I'm a comedian, you know, I'm an actor, I'm a comedian, and, and, and a lot of my comedy has to do with all the crap that I do to myself. Mm-hmm. Can I be living in the feeling of abundance, but be talking about the stuff that, you know, doesn't yeah. work and making comedy from it?
1: Well, of course, because that's your job, right? So you can, right. it's not that you're never going to think negative things and you're never going to find negative things funny. Of course you are. Just don't dwell there. Just right. don't make that the place where you are operating from all the time. Dip in and dip out. Get your material and then get out, right? right?
0: Get in, get out. Nobody gets no. hurt, at least of all me. <laughs> okay, or anybody else. How
1: can you cue
0: into this? People really need something that they can do in the moment that nobody needs any training mm-hmm. and they need to click back into, you know, where, where this is, where, where they can find these things, where they can focus on these things. Can you give them a quick thing that they can do before we bring Chris in?
1: Yeah. You know, I think I've probably talked about this before, but it, it's so, it's really the best strategy in terms of, you know, talking about the direction of your brain, go neutral. Just be aware, first of all. That's a given, right? Just just gently and not in, an, oh, I'm doing it again. What an idiot. I should know better. It, just don't be nasty to yourself. Just be aware. Oh, look at me. Here I am being negative. That's interesting. And it's very hard. When you're, when you're negative and you're complaining, your brain thinks it's saving you, right? And it feels kind of good a little bit. Like complaining, it doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. But you kind of, it's almost like you're, I don't know, you're complaining out into the atmosphere and you're hoping that somebody's going to come down and make it right, right? You got your hands to the sky going, can you believe this? Look at what's happening. There's some crazy belief that somebody's going to see how unfair it is and just make it right. And nobody's going to make it right. You're going to make it right. You're the one who's going to change it, right? So that's the first thing is just be aware of your thoughts. Be aware of what you're thinking. Start there and then go neutral. So if you're ranting, let yourself rant for a minute or two. You're not going to be able to shut it off right away. And then try for a few seconds, for a minute or two just to think about something neutral. Think about something you see out your window or how good your coffee tastes or you know, how soft the, the sweatshirt is that you're wearing or you really do like that color on the walls. Like anything, anything, butterflies, I don't care. Think about anything else other, just break the cycle a little bit. And then your brain's going to go, what are you doing? You should be back here being negative, complaining. And then you'll get sucked back into that again. And then you become aware again. And then you pull yourself up for longer. And it's literally just in the beginning, you are creating new pathways. You're creating new brain firings, which, Ed, you say this all the time, is a practice. So just start with that. Go neutral. Go neutral and see if you can just take a few minutes and break from the negative cycle. And just start there.
0: Things that you like, things that you love, things that are in front of you, things that you're experiencing in the moment. Things that
1: are working. If you're at a stoplight and you're complaining about the traffic, I'm not going to be late, this is crazy, the traffic. Just say, you know what, how cool is this? All the people that went into making streetlights, like think of the thousands of people that did that. And like, thank God it's not all green because we don't, you know, just anything that you can already find that has order, that's predictable, that works, and it's all around you. It's just we don't focus on it.
0: Yeah, there's a great show on Netflix now called Connected, I think, and it's from the people from Radio Lab, Latif Nasser, and it's great because it talks about all the connections in the world, that everything is connected, everything, sure. and it has these great uh, stories about it. But yeah, connections, and I like what Thich Han says about um, that stopping is an action, yes. and that if you're in a stoplight, it gives you an opportunity to stop. Mm-hmm. And take a breath, and that stopping is actually a very proactive thing that you can do. It's not a resignation; it's an opportunity to mm-hmm. stop and have a neutral thought, or have a grateful thought, or have a breath. And these are all things that build uh, neuro pathways, like Jennifer's saying, and that, that that build your mental health, which is what you know, which is what we're trying to do. The world is having a breakdown, pretty much. So the world is having a complete breakdown. So this really is an opportune time to actually gain uh, some mental health and to practice it. It's not only, it's not like, a, like a, uh, an elective. This is something that you, we have to do this. We have to do this for each of ourselves and each other. Um, now I, I wanna bring in our guests today Chris Mancini, I, I've known for a long time. I mean, we, we used to do stand-up shows in the back of Borders Books. That's how long we've known each other. He had a show. Uh, it was a great stand-up show. And we've created, uh, we've created shows. We've done things together. Chris is a director. He's a writer. He right now has a project, a graphic novel called The Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Masters. And before that, Long Ago and Far Away was another project author, comic writer, director, former host of comedy film nerds, which is a great show. Father, we'll talk about that. Chris Mancini, Chris, uh, are you still there? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so great to be here, Ed, and uh, um, I appreciate. It. I was just thinking as you were talking, like all the stuff we had done together, and I was thinking I need to dig up some of those pilots that we. Uh,
0: oh that my we god, they were so still much in fun. search of one of the best mm-hmm. things ever done. Um, yeah, they, we did a lot of fun stuff. Well, that now you're doing you're doing a lot of a lot of work. Now you know what's interesting is Jennifer was talking about you know, the brain and how it works. It was already
2: and, fascinating. I'm not even sure it was so good, the top of your show. I don't even know what I can add at this point. Well,
0: no, here's <laughs> the thing. I mean, you you're a sci-fi guy. So yeah. my my question is to you, is there mental health in sci-fi, which I think there is one of the things i was thinking of is like i
2: normally do walk around with a vr suit so now after the dialogue <laughs> up top, <laughs> it it feels like now i'm wearing two so
0: is it a true. leisure suit it's
2: all yeah, mine it what is. I it is, it's a vr leisure suit it's a vr absolutely. leisure suit okay yeah
0: well uh well so now i guess i want to ask are there are there things in your life that you struggle with in terms of your own mental health or that are working for you because i think it would be fascinating for any anybody out there to hear a comic actually talk about something that's working for them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish I could help. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, right. Right. Um, I I suffer from anxiety. So that's something that definitely kind of has peaks and valleys for sure. And and sometimes unexpected ones. But one of the things that I've kind of used to manage and channel it is uh, a couple of different ways as far as the art goes. When my brain gets overactive, and the you know the synapses and the nervous system are firing, and I can't focus because in when you're in the the throes of an anxiety or, or a full on panic attack, there's not much you can do. You know, I try to jump on the treadmill and burn it off a little bit. I have found some other techniques that I weren't ex- I wasn't expecting to help as much as they did. Chiropractic care actually mm-hmm. helped uh, more than I thought it would because it it kind of switches the Sympa- what are the two nervous systems again? <laughs> the sympathetic Peristress and the sympathetic. parasympathetic yep. yeah yep. and it, and the uh, chiropractic care and the um muscle and spine manipulation actually can help to um kind of stop that cycle a little bit and then of course, after an anxiety attack, uh, the um, adrenaline drains and then you're fatigued, so you get it on both ends with anxiety, yep. Yep. which is which is great. So what I've learned as far as being creative, there's certain entry points to being creative when these things are kind of happening. One of them is that if I start writing, then I could focus the brain on actually what I'm typing and what I'm doing. And then if then the brain can sometimes forget that it's supposed to be uh, in an anxiety attack. So it can kind of short circuit that, that loop a little bit in a good way. And I've also found that um, I've been writing two different things one of them is comedy and depending on how i feel or where i want it to go the other is horror which are two sides of the same <laughs> coin but they each have a different effect on on my calming down my anxiety or mental health which is which i find very interesting because i wasn't really aware of it until i started doing it the horror actually gets a lot of stuff out that might be pent up or i'm i'm interpreting in different ways, whereas the the writing comedy actually has a more calming effect where writing horror is more cathartic. So those are kind of two directions that I go creatively that can kind of help drain
0: the mental swamp, as it were. Mm -hmm. Well, this is great. I mean, we, you know, and we should talk about this another time, but uh, excuse me, that's uh, horror calling me right now. Um, I have horror waiting. On my phone. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the all you have to do is look out the window now, so you don't have <laughs> oh. to go
2: very far anymore. You don't even need shutter. So.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm doing a whole thing on monsters of mental health, and and we're, I'm trying to make comedy of the horrors that go on in our heads, you know, that go the things that we do to ourselves, and and how, you know, movie posters and things like that, because I think that these thoughts we create into monsters, they get bigger. We, yeah. We've talked about this before they you when you resist it and when you don't pay attention to it and you think I'll just numb it, it gets big. All,
2: yep. all good horror is uh, allegory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's set up in punchline and it all it is that same rhythm there. They are two sides of the same of the yes, same coin
2: for sure. Um, each each exhibits an emotional uh, reaction with joy or terror. But the emotional reaction is there.
0: So, Jennifer, the brain and, and what Chris is saying about comedy and horror It's like, how can we learn to play with these thoughts in such a way that our relationship to them is that we can actually, you know, laugh at them or, or recognize them in a different way.
1: So it's interesting because anxiety, I always say anxiety is a beast, right? It is like it, it, it likes to be fed. It is the hungry, greedy emotion. For sure. And, and the more you feed it, right, the bigger it gets. And that's funny that you're talking about horror because <laughs> that's definitely a thing, but it is, it's very greedy. And so two things, one, and I think it's so interesting that you're talking about horror because in the end, you're the thinker of the thoughts and the feeler of the feelings, right? Ultimately. And so if it, a lot of um, being able to deal with anxiety is to not run away from it, but to stand still, stop running, stand still, walk towards it. And then it usually shrinks. It's just that everything in your brain is going to tell you that's not possible. And we'll talk about that in a second because anxiety can be this very loud narrative in your head that makes you suspicious of every strategy and don't use that strategy and don't bother trying that because it'll never work because anxiety doesn't want to go away. It, it thinks it's saving you. I mean, this anxiety gets a bad rap. It's not actually the boogeyman. It, it, it really is self-preservatory. It loves you and it thinks it fantastic job of, of keeping you alive. Anytime you're anxious and you run from something or you avoid something or you sit on the internet and look up 15 ways that neck pain could kill you, whatever loop <laughs> you get stuck in, every time you reward it, it thinks you're only here because you did that right? And it's like, well, great. My person's still alive. I'm pretty good. You know what? I'm going to start this anxious tomorrow. And in fact, I might crank it up a little bit just to make sure my person survives the day, right? So when I work with little kids, especially when I try to teach them strategies, their first instinct is I don't want to learn them. I don't want to do any strategies because the anxiety doesn't want you to learn how to get rid of it. It thinks you need it to survive. So why am I going to use it, Learn some stupid strategy that's going to get rid of anxiety, so it's learning to recognize the voice of the anxiety versus your own kind of higher self or inner self or wiser self or however you want to call it. And it's, it's very difficult to tell the difference between those two voices. And anxiety can be so overwhelming and it can happen so fast. Like you can be feeling fine and then out of nowhere, it's just kind of generalized and it hits you or you get that drop, it right? It sneaks like, up you know yeah. yeah, it sneaks up on you. You know that feeling. It's like your stomach's dropped out, right? It's like this... <gasps> awful feeling and it, it can come from the most innocent little thought and then before you know it you're flat out so part of it is and it goes back to what ed and i were talking about is this practice right of first of all recognizing and with the anxiety and then having a number of different tools over time where you can kind of you know drive the the car instead of letting it drive you and that that's what happens with anger anxiety depression they're all related right they're all kind of weird little triplets and, they, and your, your feelings end up controlling you instead of you controlling your feelings. One of the neatest things to think about, and I've talked about this show on, before on the show, is that anxiety and excitement are actually identical. Like if you're taking an, an MRI, you can't tell the difference. You can't tell what's lighting up. So extreme creativity and extreme excitement and anxiety are very similar. So if you're not in a full-on panic attack, but you're feeling that kind of fluttery feeling of anxiety, you can tell yourself, I'm excited. That's creative energy. That's not anxiety. That's energy. One of the simplest things anytime you're feeling any anxiety is to just take a moment, recognize it in your body. Because the first thing we do is like, oh no, oh God, I'm getting anxious. What do I do? And then you either jump on the treadmill or, or pop a pill or dive a flix hole or smoke something whatever people want to do something external right away because the feeling is miserable right chris you know that it's yes. a miserable like every miserable.
2: Um, every uh, nerve ending in your body is firing yeah. at the same time
1: yeah. it's miserable it really is and and the best way to think about it is if you were in an elevator and all of a sudden you, you hear the cable snap and you're just kind of barely hanging on by some wire and someone's going you know what do some breathing, think about your happy place. You're like, are you kidding me, right? It, it really feels like that, especially when you're having like um, elevated anxiety or panic attack, but the important thing about it is to know you're still the thinker of your thoughts and it's just information, it's just energy. So the first thing you do is say, okay, this feels miserable, I can feel it in my stomach, I feel like every nerve ending in my body is on fire, but this is information, this is data. Okay, this is just energy. And this is going to sound so crazy, but you actually let yourself feel it. You kind of lean into it a little bit instead of lean away. The second you try to lean away, your anxiety goes, well, what's he doing? He's jumping on a treadmill. He needs to be focused on what I'm trying to tell him to be scared of. And usually the, the treadmill is a great strategy because your, your body just wants you to run. So it thinks you're running, which is kind of great. But when you get off the treadmill, it's still there waiting for you sometimes, not every time, but often. One of the strategies is to lean in, to turn around. And this is what's so neat about horror writing. When you're writing about the scariest things, you own them. You're in control. You're the writer of the story. It's the same kind of idea. So you imagine that this is the feeling in my body. This is what it feels like. And you're almost really like reading it, decoding it, just like a computer. Okay, I'm taking in this data. You're reading it, you're feeling it, and then you're releasing it. And as simple as this sounds, it, this will not work in a, in a severe panic attack. When it's just starting, this can be a great, great strategy. Couple that with relaxing your tongue, putting your tongue on the bottom of your teeth, and just relaxing your stomach, slowing down your breathing, drop your shoulders, change your breathing, and tell yourself this is creativity, this is energy, this is excitement.
2: Wow. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's, that's great. I'm glad you're recording this, Ed your commute yes, no yes, i mean yes. this is what we need to hear all the
0: time right your your body is preparing you your, your you know stress we've been to- told for years is uh, you know there's a stress management industry and they make a lot of money off of telling people that they should be afraid of stress and really it's stress is your body's way of preparing you for something so if you talk to it If you relate to these things differently and you actually say, you know, you're preparing me for something. I feel you in my body. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm getting excited for something that's coming. I'm all prepared. Mm -hmm. It actually changes the stress, the way stress works in your body. You're talking to it. And it's the same thing with any feeling or any thought. You can actually talk to it. You can relate to it. You can turn and face it. It sounds like, oh, come on. You cannot. Mm -hmm. Actually, you can. Mm -hmm. we're creating all this crap we are creating it all the time and that's part of the way jennifer says our limbic system works it's our limbic system's job in the brain to keep us safe to keep Mm us uh, protected Mm -hmm. the thing is we don't have tigers chasing us and we don't, wish, well, when you're standing not in line at, at ATM. no, we, no, we, we might. <laughs> we have the show on Netflix that yeah. uh, <laughs> is, uh, you know, fantastic, but no, no, I mean the tiger, we're, we are, we're all tiger Kings in some aspect. You know, this is really, this is really interesting and important stuff. And I guess the way to exercise this, to practice this, is that you can do it in any moment
1: and to not wait
0: for when yeah. you're in the middle of a full-blown yeah. panic and, attack and to say saying, maybe,
1: yeah, go well, ahead. Well, Just to t- you know, tag onto what you're saying, Ed, when, if you have time to worry, you have time to work on strategies that help you not worry. You're worrying anyways, so you might as well add some strategies that, that, that actually help. So it's interesting, Ed, because you were mentioning about stress, and there were a few studies done, and I, was, I don't have them at the tip of my fingers, but the evidence shows that it's not that stress is so damaging to the body, it's whether you believe it's damaging to the body. That's where the power lies, right? So if you believe that it's your body's, you know, safety mechanism and- Is
2: this like a blue or red pill situation?
1: Uh, kind is of. Yeah, <laughs> it <Right>? really is. <laughs> if, if you believe, belief is incredibly powerful. Our belief system keeps us operating. So the, the conscious mind, and I don't, I know the exact amount, but I think it can do something like 2,000 bits of, manage 2,000 bits of information per second or something. It's still some massive computer. But the subconscious mind is infinitely more powerful. It's managing millions of bits of information per second. So it's a little bit like a, a mouse trying to drive an elephant around, right? So we don't actually realize how powerful our subconscious thoughts are and our beliefs if we've had trauma or childhood stuff or just what our communities taught us or what our country has taught us, it's so much a part of how we interpret information. So if you believe that stress is dangerous, well then guess what? It's going to be dangerous. If you believe your body's built for this, humans have survived thousands of years with fight or flight mechanisms and it's there to save you and you can actually control it. And it's not actually dangerous. I mean, chronic levels of, of, of stress you wanna manage for sure, but it's more the belief that it's gonna be damaging that's that's so powerful. So that was one thing I wanted to say. And then the other is this, you're not gonna do this overnight. Like just, of course, if you think, oh, I'm just gonna imagine this, so I'm gonna feel better. No, you have to do this like often all the time. It needs to be a new method. If you're going to worry, then you're going to do something that helps you anti-worry, right? Do the opposite. And you're building new neural pathways. You're building new brain firings that actually train your brain. There's another way.
0: So I wake up in the morning and I do I do what? I, I start my morning with a different, a different way of, of thinking. I start my morning with a thought about whether it's grateful or whether it's I'm, I'm, I'm happy in this moment, I feel this, mm-hmm. I feel that, I see this, I see that, this is what's happening right now, I'm here, I'm present, I can take a breath, I can close my eyes and smile and imagine that I'm looking into the eyes of a person that I care about mm-hmm. uh, for a minute. The thing is, the brain is going to tell you something. Here's what, here's what my brain tells me. These things are so simple, how can they possibly work?
1: Yeah. Well, and that is anxiety. It doesn't want these things to work. And of course, it's not going to work the first time you do it. It took you how many years to get this way, right? That's what I tell my clients. Like you've been thinking this way for years and years and years. You're not just going to have an, an awakening and think about it differently. And then tomorrow is completely different. This is a practice. And you say this all the time, right? You're, you have to train your brain to think what you want it to think and to ultimately feel how you want to feel. And look, you you were talking about waking up in the morning. You wouldn't wake up in the morning and go, well, and put on the same clothes I wore yesterday. You'd get up and you put something else on. You you don't have to wake up and wear the same emotional clothing you wore wore yesterday. And so to open your eyes and decide, okay, I'm going to I'm going to be in a different spot this morning and it's either thinking about something neutral or thinking about some things you're grateful for or imagining people you love and looking right into their eyes and telling them something that you admire about them. Change the lens, right, start are, your day yeah, thoughts
0: way. are Thoughts are not automatic. You're thinking them. You can mm-hmm. actually reach for different ones. You can mm-hmm. choose different, and it doesn't mean denying. It doesn't mean living in a, in, putting your head in the sand emotionally, mm-hmm. but you can choose better thoughts. Marcus yeah. Aurelius, the emperor who uh, we talk about, I talk about him all mm-hmm. the time. I call him Mark. Um, <laughs> he, uh, what was it, 70? You have a Zoom eight, call with him later? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a seminar. He's got a webinar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, what does he say in seventy eight this is like thousands of years ago. The guy says, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. There you go. This is a Roman emperor. He's talking <laughs> thousands of years ago. How yes. did he know this? Yes.
2: Well, he knew it um, was coming too. So, <laughs> he <yeah>. did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you see, it he couldn't help the fall, could he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you
1: know, what's interesting, Ed, is. As often as many people think, like, how is this so simple? How can it work? If you're really quiet and still, most of us also know this. You don't need to be Marcus Aurelius. There's a part of you that goes, yeah, that really does make sense, right? <laughs> but what I can't promise you is that it's easy. It's, it's not as easy as grabbing a glass of wine. It's not as easy as diving into a Netflix hole. It's not as easy as a pill. It's not. Listen, I don't want people to hear that there's not a place for, for medication. There, there, there can be. But we're always looking for a quick fix, and we're literally trained from the moment we open our eyes as babies to not feel. Feelings are bad. Run from them. Hide from them. Do something. Buy something. And really, feelings are meant to be felt. And when you feel them, and when you turn, and and instead of running away from it, run towards it, let it register in your body and use the breathing techniques and not run from it, you'll start to change everything. And it's interesting that we're talking about horror films and, and not that some people cannot handle horror films at all. Although ironically, many, so my dog's barking in the background, many anxious people love them, love them, because it, it puts them into a state where they can actually be worried about something that, that's real on the screen rather than something that's happening in their head.
2: Yep, but so, you know, it, It's cathartic anxiety.
1: Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> But here's what's so cool. So if you're watching a show, it doesn't even have to be a scary show. Every movie or show has like a moment where the music's matching and the tension's building and your own body can't tell the difference between something you're watching. So the next time you're in a really scary part of a film, take a moment and turn towards the fear. Breathe, drop your tongue, remind yourself that it's a movie and see if you can drop that anxiety in your body while watching this, you know, this episode or this particular point in the film, just practice that. Don't even practice it in your real life. Practice it when you're watching movies or episodes of shows and just get good at it there, right? Build the pathways there. Then you'll actually have some of that neurologically in place. You'll have some hardware that you can actually use in your real life.
2: So I should do some uh, breathing techniques while I'm watching Lovecraft Country yes 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 <laughs> you
1: should it. not
0: fear the walking dead anymore you should embrace <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it. Um, because personal, that's actually a pretty interesting technique that's that's really a great experiment i i would invite the listeners to do that get it get your favorite i'm actually gonna heart. try it
2: because yeah. it, it yeah. feels like it's like okay it's um well this is like the practice round for the actual anxiety i think that's yeah
1: all. you're they just s- building hardware that's like you're programming your own brain That's what you're doing.
0: They say that life is not a dress rehearsal. It actually is a dress rehearsal. You're actually rehearsing all the time. You know, I always think about personal uh, horror movie trailers that go on in your head all the time. We all have these personal horror movie trailers. And Chris, I always think about when a stranger calls because I always think we've traced the call. It's coming from inside your head. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: That's right.
0: That's the trailer (laughs) that you're living. It's Hmm. coming from no one, there's nobody outside the house. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming from inside your head, yeah. um, switch it up. I just want to switch uh, gears a little bit, you know, a, a little bit about fatherhood to check in with you. Um, Absolutely. So, pacify me. So, you wrote this book. You were yes. preparing. You were trying to help other dads who would be preparing. I right. was, and, and it was
2: yeah. it was just like you had said. I just had so much anxiety about uh, being a dad.
0: And now you've been a dad for how long now?
2: A hundred years.
0: Yeah, it feels is what it like feels that. Like? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your daughter is fifteen.
2: <laughs> She's fifteen. Yeah, and okay. my son is twelve. And, oh, uh, and and now they're they're home doing you know the the online learning. So. Um, everyone's really happy about that so
0: yeah, that's, and, what, yeah. and, what, and what, and how does this all manifest itself in terms of being a dad? Because you're, you're talking about anxiety and being, being a father. What do you, what do you struggle with as a dad? Well, you know, it was, uh, it was a
2: real journey. I mean, like I used to say, like uh, when my wife was pregnant, I was the one throwing up. But, uh, so, <laughs> but uh, you, you know, writing the book and actually going through it, it was one of those things where like this, my life is over, I'm going to be, you know, uh, nothing's going to be the same, everything's going to change. And, you know, when you're holding that beautiful baby in your arms, then everything just kind of melts away and everything becomes manageable. And uh, you realize that this isn't the end of everything. It's the the beginning. Things are change. I mean, I, I make the point in the book where like, you know, if fatherhood doesn't change you, you're doing it wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> right, but, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it became one of those things where I put this in the, in the book too, where I, it was cathartic to write the book, but it was also cathartic to kind of go through it and I actually got some great emails and comments from people saying look there was no other books in the market you helped me go through a tough time and I think even at one point I I got recommended for uh, male postpartum depression like if somebody <laughs> has that they could actually read the book and it would help them. Yeah. Um, I always used to say I had pre post pre-postpartum depression when I, uh, <laughs> before I uh, had, a, had a baby. Yeah. But so that kind of thing, whereas as a comedian, you always want your comedy to do two things, to entertain people. But if it can help people and give them insights at the same time, then that's what we all strive to accomplish. So that was, that was kind of a really good feeling to actually be able to do that. Cause you know, we don't always get to do that in our lives and careers that you can actually do both of those things. Right. And, you know, a, as the kids get older, there's different challenges and different stresses and it, it's, it's an ongoing process. You know, your brain always thinks, oh, OK, I've, I understood this. I'm done. No, wait, they're changing every year. Everything <laughs> yep. I just knew uh, is now gone. Yeah, <laughs> it right. doesn't apply. So, right.
0: And um, now you're a dad, you've got kids home and anybody listening who's a parent, they have kids home, probably fatherhood through a pandemic what what is that like? And and Jennifer, is there are there any specific things that we can speak to the fathers out there and say? Here are some skills. Here are some things for you, being a dad.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, being a parent not in a pandemic is challenging enough, right? And thing parenting has changed so much in the last twenty five to thirty years. Like we, it's gone from like a, a what's called a parent centered model to you know just listen and respect your elders and. Children should be seen and not heard, to swinging way the other way to a child-centered model where kids have a lot of say, maybe too much say. And um, you know, as a as a child and family therapist, I've seen more kids in the last fifteen years for sure. Like anxiety is epidemic. It is. And mm-hmm. if you happen to be an anxious person, you're probably going to have not, it's not guaranteed, but it, it tends to be a family trait, right? Like it, mm-hmm. anxiety tends to be something that gets, mm-hmm. that you can see in different family members. And then you're also the entire, you know, family kind of gets anxious. You're all sort of living in cortisol soup. And then you, and you, you, sort of add a pandemic on top of that. And it's crazy. And teenagers and Chris, you've got teenagers they There's, they're just drowning in social media. And yes. All of these apps, and the, I mean, social anxiety is off the charts with teenagers.
2: It's like you can only monitor so many screens like yeah. uh, like yeah. you know i was I was good about locking stuff down where you know, my daughter could only add apps if I approved them, yeah, and I talk. could you There's know track and all of those head. things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's all good, but it doesn't control what she's watching when she goes to a friend's house. No, so. no, it doesn't. And
1: so. it, it's like you can't control all of it. It's here. It's here to stay. It's probably going to get more complex and worse before it gets better. But And so that makes parenting really challenging because I'm seeing so many teenagers who are just, you know, Snapchat and Instagram and they're just, you know, it, it, it's all they think about. And how many
2: conversations do you have to say with teenagers? Oh my God, you're not going to be a millionaire influencer. Stop. <laughs> <I'm> awful, <laughs> do your math.
1: But it's so hard because they're all watching these people, right? And they're all seeing these people who are who are you know self marketing. And everybody looks so happy and I know that as soon as they've stopped taking that selfie they're all sad but they don't do yeah. that right <laughs> it's mm-hmm. tough and then they're all doing therapy on each other like this is craziness they're all on the phone oh, I gotta talk to my friend tonight she's so depressed if I don't talk to her she like this is what these children are carrying around they they right. they, they really are you know dealing with each other's serious anxiety and mental health issues and depression and and it, it it's really quite an epidemic right now so what I say to parents is, and this is important. So we've talked a lot about the midbrain and the frontal lobe, right? The midbrain's job is to save you. Like just, it's the, it's the security system of the brain. It doesn't care what's real or not real. It just errs on the side of caution and it throws you into fight or flight if it thinks you're in danger. If you're breathing fast and you're stressed, it's going to assume it's because something's going to jump on you. But the frontal lobe's job is to organize, prioritize, mediate, um, regulate, all of those things. And as much as a 15-year-old kind of looks like us in some ways, they don't have a fully formed frontal lobe yet. Not until what,
2: 22? I I did hear that. Yeah,
1: somewhere between 20, 25, even 30, we're thinking. So you're not actually a dad. You're actually a substitute (laughs) frontal lobe. Right? That's what you (laughs) are. That's what she always
0: says. That's true.
1: So you (laughs) have to regulate and organize and prioritize and that is hard and it's exhausting because teenagers are all about freedom and you can't tell me what to do and you don't get it and you're so lame and nobody else's parents do that and they're going to hear all that stuff. They don't know but what gaslighting
2: um, means, but they're really good
1: <laughs> at it. <laughs> right, they are. But the truth is that's your job, right? Your job is, and that's what you're doing when you're controlling those apps and you're taking the phone at 11 o'clock when it's time to go to bed and you and we need to do those things and, and I think... So many parents, I mean, every, you know, they love their kids and they want to do a good job and they want their kids to be happy. And they're, you know, kids are going through a lot. They're worried about stuff we didn't have to think about when we were teenagers, global warming. And like so many teenagers are like, I don't even know what the world's going to look like when I'm 30. Like well, this is what they're carrying around. Yeah, we didn't have yeah. to worry about that. Like Mm-mm. it's massive. So what ends up happening is because a lot of parents yeah. feel sad for their kids and well, worry. And, the, the
2: and they just go, and, all right, well, good luck. Here
1: you go. I want you to be <laughs> happy. Here you go. And that, that's not actually what makes them. I, I don't know if I've given this analogy on the show before, but I think it's such a good one. Parenting is like flying a plane, right? So if you're, so let's say you're like a passenger on the plane, bumpy, turbulent, terrifying flight. You are scared for your life. And the captain decides he's gonna wander down the aisle and check in on everyone. how are you guys doing? I could do 28,000 feet if you want, 30. <laughs> I could try going around, like what would you say to him? Are you, laughing nuts, fly the plane, right? But let's say for the sake of argument, cockpit doors open, the captain's in there screaming, yelling. Why is this red button flashing? And I understand why the control tower's not answering me and they don't pay enough for this job. If you're a passenger in both of those circumstances, you're going to be terrified because nobody's flying the plane. So it's really important. This is what Connected Parenting, the Connected Parenting method is all about. It's how to be compassionate, empathic, and use language as medicine and connection, but balance that with really good predictable limit setting. So you can parent like Captain Sully would fly a plane, right? Mm -hmm. You want someone who's centered and in charge. And without that, kids are going to have an increased, which is what we're seeing.
0: Yeah, I've got the cat I I grew up with the cast of airplane flying the plane, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it was just not. It was just uh, call me Shirley. Ca- Captain yeah. over. Yeah, everything was over.
2: Um, yeah. Before, yeah. in addition to all this anxiety, flying now you all have to wear masks.
1: Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's really what you need to be doing. And I, and and Chris, you already said it. Like being brave enough to love your kids enough for them to be mad at you is good parenting. And you can literally say that. I love you enough for you to be mad at me but you're handing your phone in or you have an actual homework time. You have to finish your homework before you get your stuff that you're allowed to do. The must do's before can do's staying neutral, setting limits. That's all love too. Right. And that's where, we may be falling down a little bit as parents and not because we don't care. It's we care too much maybe, but seeing that as love, I think is a really important thing. And, and kids will tell you, teenagers will tell you, just look at kids in when when they went to class actually, and they had a supply teacher, right? What would happen? The greatest kids, the most well-behaved kids, would be a nightmare, right? Testing out this new teacher. What can I get away with? What are the limits? Right. Right. When I mean, a teacher comes in and they're and they're cool and they're nice, but they but you, they mean what they say and they say what they mean, the class settles down. And so we want to find that zone in our own parenting, and it's it's certainly not easy, but I I, I do love that you're you're setting limits because kids need that there's just they, there's too many choices oh for sure they get so overwhelmed yeah. right
0: well the other thing a kid wants to see great way to model things for your kid is tell your kid that you're actually meditating or tell your kid that you're actually taking care my wife actually put the phone like right next to uh the recording device Well, I took it out, so this is a classic example of like the respect that you're getting. At any rate, uh, you know, I think that if your kid actually sees you and you call it out, you say, I'm feeling a little anxious right now and what I'm doing is this, and you do it. You show them it's possible, right? Yeah, look at what dad's doing. He's taking care of his mental health. Yeah. It's pretty good.
2: It's, you Um, know, there's many ways as a parent to Set an example. And that's, that's certainly one of them for sure. Yeah. Show that there's not stigma about it.
0: Uh, Yeah. I have the feelings too. I have the thoughts too. It doesn't change, but what changes is your relationship to them, the way you take care of yourself. And it's certainly okay to do that. I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. Before we wrap up here, uh, I wanted to tell you that you can find us everywhere. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe a VU, if you'll pardon my French. And you can, you can find us at MakeLightMedia.com. It's my own company, and I don't even know what the name of it is. Uh, MakeLight Media, <laughs> MakeLight, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, Media.com. You can find all the podcasts here or wherever you subscribe is good, right? And you can uh, find out about our Mental Health is Hot Potholders, this is actually, we're, we have products, we're going to have products, but we're going to do, we want you to write to us, we want you to, you can find us uh, on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, mental health comedy, write in and tell us how you're doing, tell us what works for you, or a skill that you've actually used, that you've heard on the show. I've had a lot of people tell me this, they've heard the show, they've used a the skill, it's worked, and uh, we're building a nice community here, so... I just want to thank, uh, thank you for doing that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And let's, uh, let's build mental health. Let's, uh, we're getting free mental health here. We're promoting free mental health. Look for Chris. Look for all of his, his work, uh, The Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Masters. Um, I know that that'll be coming out, uh, coming out soon. Where can they find you, Chris? Where should they go to get all your information?
2: Um, for podcasts and comics and everything that I'm kind of working on, they could just go to whitecatentertainment.com. Okay. And uh, I was very excited about the timing of this because I'm actually launching a new podcast to help people with anxiety and, wow. and for insomnia. But I didn't want to do it like we're talking about it at all. All as it is, it's called The Quiet Journeys of Professor Atwood. I play a scientist slash explorer, and I go on journeys, but then I add music and sound effects and to kind of create like a soundscape to um, lull you into a uh, (laughs) a relaxed state or sleep. And it actually starts September 1st, so you could get that on iTunes. And then if you're an agitated state, and want more. Then you could listen to conversations from the abyss, which is the my horror podcast that has quick, short stories about horrible things that happen to people <laughs> with <laughs> monsters and other things. So I kind of are pairing them together with stories to help you sleep and stories to keep you awake. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> both ends of the spectrum. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Pretty oh,
2: much. So um, you can you can whatever you listen to podcasts, you could listen to those and uh, and just. Continue to make more products, um, some happy, some
0: terrifying, and uh, meeting in the middle. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> so creative. So great, Chris. And I, I want to also tell people before we leave, check out connectedparenting.com. Connectedparenting.com. Jennifer's organization. Amazing, inspirational, interesting things that you can use. Uh, I've learned a lot just in this hour. Oh, oh good. Oh, so it's, glad. oh, it's fantastic. Connectedparenting.com. We have a sponsor, and our sponsor is uh, called Mind Movies, M-I-N-D-M-O-V-I-E-S, mindmovies.com. Years ago, Natalie Ledwell, who is an entrepreneur and, and one of the foremost uh, leaders in, in thinking and in thinking about what you want, learning to train yourself to think about what you want to create this world that you want in your life, she had a brilliant idea. She created digital vision boards. So it's a vision board, but it's digital. You drag and drop all of these things that create a little movie, and you do it in very quick time, and then you watch the movie. You watch the movie of what you've created. She's been very successful helping others to realize their dreams and happiness. It's all based in science. She's working with the greatest minds in the world, and we're talking and thinking and orienting your thoughts to what you want in your life. Mind Movies is a tool that helps helps you put it out there so that you can see the movie that you want to your life to be. Transform the movie in your head with Mind Movies, mindmovies.com. Instead of when a stranger calls, we trace the call is coming from inside your head. You can do mindmovies.com. This has been a great time. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me, Ed. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking to you again. Congrats with everything that you're doing and keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick. Thanks for listening to Mental Health Comedy. Have a great week.